Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday. PodcastOne.com or iTunes. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for streaming. And thank you for listening as we have another great one for you this week with another great interview. As always, all the interviews come to you courtesy of my SiriusXM show, which is heard live daily on Channel 106. The channel is volume. The show is Trunk Nation. And you can hear me on there talking rock and doing interviews every single day, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, with a replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and also all shows on demand on the SiriusXM app. If you live in the U.S. or Canada and you don't already have SiriusXM, I'd highly recommend it because you're only getting a tiny little taste of what I'm doing on a daily basis there. And for the cost of a couple Starbucks, you could be getting a month of entertainment that includes all sorts of music and talk channels, including my daily show, Trunk Nation on Volume, which for those of you that don't listen on volume and don't get uh, Sirius XM and you have the ability to do so, which means you live in the U.S. or Canada, the volume channel is a 24-7 talk about music channel. My show is exclusively rock and is every day, and uh, there are two other shows that are daily full-time shows that also talk about music and a bunch of weekly and monthly specials. So that alone is worth the price of admission. And then, of course, you get all the other great SiriusXM programming as well. I'm just telling you guys because so many times I hear from people who tell me that they listen to this podcast, and I appreciate that. And if you're, but again, if you live in the U.S. and Canada, you're just getting such a small sample of what I'm doing on a daily basis that you could be getting every day for what really is a very small amount of money for the amount of entertainment that you get. The other thing I hear constantly from people, which is incredible to me, is, hey, I catch your stuff on YouTube. Well, I've said this before, and I am being dead serious. Never in my life on, on this planet, have I ever posted anything on YouTube in my life, audio or video? Now, at one point a number of years ago, somebody had started a channel for me on there and a social media person was doing some posting of audio and video. I'm assuming that's still there. I'm not active in it. I should be. I just don't have the time. Um, But I'm aware that someone and various fans take my radio show on volume and post some of it, if not all of it, every day. Now, let me be clear about this. I don't have an issue with it. The channel, SiriusXM someday may might, I don't know. But I know we're living in a YouTube world and everything eventually shows up there, right? 
And I know most of the big news things that happen on my show, minutes later, people post it on YouTube. But I don't know what's going up there. I don't know if it's being edited. I don't know what excerpts people are hearing. I don't know if they're hearing the full context, the full shows. Some of the things you cannot do when you hear this show on YouTube or even on this podcast is you can't call in and talk to the artist. You can't engage with me. You can't uh, make it a two-way street. So I personally am glad that I have an audience and fans passionate enough about what I do that they take the time to do that because, hey, when I'm doing content and creating uh, content, I just want it out there to as many people as possible. So I'm fine with it. But I'm just saying from a standpoint of the of the uh, listeners to this podcast or if you hear things on YouTube or whatever, I mean, you're only getting you're only scratching the surface of what's going on every day as far as what I'm doing. So I would remind you uh, that uh, that's exactly what's up. And if you really want to hear what's going down, you really should join me for the daily show on Sirius XM if you are not already. But to the people that take the time to grab my stuff and put it out there, thank you. I mean, I'm totally cool with it. I love it. I love that it has a long shelf life. I, I'm proud of the fact that I produce content and do things that make news daily in the rock world and that people talk about and get people thinking and talking and agreeing or disagreeing. That's my job. So I'm thrilled that that's happening. But the live daily show is where it all generates, and it would be great if if those that are not already on board, and look, we got a ton on board. What is there, like 30 million subscribers or something, Sirius XM? I'm just telling you, I hear from people all the time that hear things in these alternate ways, and I have no idea how they're getting it or what they're hearing. And you know, sometimes when people want to paint you in a certain way, they'll do some creative editing when they post as well. I have nothing to do with any of it. So keep all of that in mind as well. So anyway, speaking of all of that, another interview for you this week that did make a ton of news, and I'll get to that in just a second. Got back from another wonderful trip to Tulsa last week at the Hard Rock there, where I always have such great times and they take such good care of me. Had a bunch of great guests on the SiriusXM show last week, including Biff Byford of Saxon, David Coverdale, Sammy Hagar, Danny the Count Coker, and Stoney Curtis from the band Counts 77. And if you're not familiar with those guys, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're not familiar with those guys, you really should be because they were a lot of fun to talk to and have on. And they're actually a really, really good band. If you, you're, you're probably familiar with the show Counting Cars. It's been on for eight seasons on the History Channel. Danny Count Coker, who hosts that show, is a good friend, and he has a band called Count 77 that plays some shows on the weekends here and there. The guitar player in the band is a beast. His name is Stoney Curtis. And I've not seen Count 77 before, but I did have a chance to see them perform at a car show, appropriately enough, in Tulsa this past Friday. So that was a lot of fun. We had a great time hanging out afterwards and uh, so happy for Danny. So many great things happening for him with his TV show and now building this band and his, his uh, custom shop and all the stuff he's got going in Vegas. Great guy and uh, really cool to see the great success that he's having. So it was it was fun hanging out with them. We had a great night last Friday, uh, hitting it pretty hard, drinking and having a good time till the wee hours, uh, even, you know, Playing, watching uh, his his keyboard players play some piano and doing some jamming in the hotel bar, snorting whiskey. <laughs> yes, we snorted whiskey. It's a long story, but we had a great time there. So all the guests were great. Uh, Coverdale and Sammy called in. Biff and Danny Coker came into the studio that I use in Tulsa at the Hard Rock. So that was a lot of fun. I'll get to the Sammy Hagar interview in a second because that's what I'm featuring this week on this podcast. But before that, I just want to take a peek ahead and tell you what's coming up, because all next week I'll be on board the Monsters of Rock Cruise, which is sailing on Sunday from Miami. The Monsters of Rock Cruise started about seven, eight years ago. This is the ninth one. I have hosted every single one that's ever happened. I will host this one again. 
It is a cruise that predominantly focuses on classic 80s hard rock with a little metal sprinkled in. Occasionally a couple new acts are on there. Occasionally a couple 70s acts are on there. But at its core, it is a 70, It is an 80s-based rock cruise. And this year it features Tesla and Queensryche and Skid Row and Extreme and about 45 others, and I'm not exaggerating. It is a five-day party at sea. It's absolutely crazy. It is an absolute blast, and uh, I am so thrilled to be a part of it each and every year as the host. Now, a number of years ago, a couple years ago, with the start of my daily show on volume that I just told you about on Sirius XM, I started doing my radio show live from the ship. And a lot of people had said to me, how the hell do you do that? I still get asked all the time, how are you doing a live radio show? across America and Canada from a cruise ship? And the answer is you just need a good internet connection, which you really can't get on a cruise ship, but I have my ways. And if the cruise makes the accommodation for you, it is something that can be done. So I just got done doing it a couple weeks ago from the cruise to the edge, and I will do my radio show once again from Monsters of Rock Cruise. So another reason to have Sirius XM if you're in the U.S. or Canada, because you will be able to hear for a couple hours each and every day, exactly what's going on from the cruise. And uh, we'll have guests, and we'll have calls, and we'll have mayhem, no doubt, uh, bringing you Trunk Nation live from Monsters of Rock. I'll be broadcasting the show from the ship right now, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. And if you are on board Monsters of Rock, the broadcast will happen from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time live from a venue called Playmakers. So find me on the ship, maybe even be a part of the radio show. The guests will be announced each day. Right now, I'm not going to do a show from the ship on Wednesday because in addition to hosting the cruise, in addition to hosting the radio broadcast, this year for the first time ever, I'm going to be shooting an episode of my Access TV show, Trunk Fest, on board the cruise. We are almost done with the second season of this show. For those of you that are unaware, this show started last summer. It's a brand new TV series that I host for Access TV, which has me covering music festivals and events around the country and around the world. We had an eight-episode season one, which has aired Hopefully, it'll start repeating a lot more as we get closer to the premiere of Season 2 to create awareness. It's not my decision, but I really hope it does. But uh, then Season 2 will air, I believe, tentatively in June or something will be the premiere of eight or nine brand new episodes for a new season. It's a lot of fun to do. It's not so much about interviews with artists as it is more about the uh, environment and what goes on around these events and so many of the music festivals we have. So to that end, I'll be shooting the first ever episode of Trunk Fest on a cruise ship, and it'll be on Monsters of Rock. So that will be an episode you'll be seeing this coming summer. So wearing multiple hats on (laughs) Monsters of Rock Cruise, hosting the cruise itself and doing some band intros, Uh, doing a daily radio show, and now shooting a TV show all while on board. So if you're on board, Monsters of Rock, I hope to see you, hope to hang out, hope to have a drink, schedule permitting, and uh, spend some time with all the great fans and bands, and look for me running around doing TV, radio, and hosting work. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that is what is immediately coming up. And then on March 3rd, I stick around in Florida, and I host Tesla and Kicks. That'll be at the... Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood, Florida. So please join me for that if you are in South Florida. Should be a great show. Both Tesla and Kicks are on board the uh, the Monsters of Rock cruise. So they'll be getting off the cruise and sticking around Florida for a little bit to do that gig on that Sunday before finally coming home on Monday. And then March, we'll see what's happening. You know, this Motley Crew movie is coming out in March. The trailer was just released. And I saw the movie. I can't talk about the movie yet because they've asked that nothing come out about the film until they're ready to release information. Uh, any Anybody in media who saw an advance of the film 
had to sign off on not talking about it because they want all the press to hit at the same time. I tweeted that I saw the movie and people got mad that I tweeted that I saw the movie and that I couldn't talk about it. So they said, well, why did you tweet that you saw it? I tweeted that I saw it because people asked me a hundred times if I've seen the movie. So I said, yes, I saw the movie, but I can't talk about the fact that I saw the movie and anything, or I can't talk about the movie itself, good, bad, or otherwise, because it's very common, folks. It's called an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, meaning that you, can, you can't talk about something on your forums publicly until they are ready for it to be talked about. It's very common in business. It's very common in certain situations. So that's why I just simply said I saw it and I still cannot talk about details just because that's what Netflix and the company putting it out wants. Why would you say you saw it if you can't talk about it? Because people asked me if I saw it. I answered a question. God, you got to love social media. So when I can talk about the Motley film, I will in great detail. And I'm probably going to have a special coming up with Nikki Six soon that I'll be able to tell you about when that's confirmed. So looking forward to all that stuff coming in March with the Motley movie posting on Netflix on March 22nd. Some other stuff cooking in March as well. Uh, finishing off Trunk Fest and some other stuff. So there you go. All right, let's get to what we have this week for our interview on the Eddie Trunk podcast. And that is an interview with Sammy Hagar, the latest in what has been an ongoing series of interviews I've done with Sammy for many, many, many years, decades, actually. He and I are friends. We uh, you know, love and respect each other very much. I've been a Sammy fan since the mid-80s, early 80s, actually, uh, long before Van Halen and all that sort of stuff. And I guess probably got to know Sammy pretty well like 20 years ago. And we've had some great times and some great conversations together. And Sammy came on my show on SiriusXM last week. And he came on to promote, which you're about to hear about, a new studio record with of original material with his band, The Circle. So that's coming out. And they released a single from it, and you'll hear all about that and other stuff. Sammy has always been one of my favorite people to interview because he is unfiltered, he is honest, he lets it fly, and you got to love people like that. In this super guarded, super PC world, super sanitized, be careful what you say, uh, don't say that, Sammy just lets it rip. He knows how to do it. He's great at it. He is a great interview, and he's always been one of my favorite people. So anyway, Sammy came on, and you're about to hear the conversation. We had a great conversation. And then if you hear at the end of the conversation, he kind of sets me up and says, uh, all right, come on, Ed. Let, me, you, you, uh, let it go. Come on. I know you, I know you, you got to hit me with something. <laughs> because I let him do all the promotion and all the talk about the new record, and then... All right, got to ask the big question because I am inundated with people asking me and talking about Van Halen and what they may or may not do. Now, I think at this point in time, we all realize the ship has pretty much sailed on Sammy being in Van Halen. I don't think, and I don't think anybody in their right mind suspects that is going to happen, okay? But Michael Anthony continues to be rumored, rumored to be returning to Van Halen. So I bring that up to Sammy, as you're about to hear towards the end of the interview. And he dropped something in this interview that I was shocked when I heard that he didn't realize and think, I don't think, was newsworthy. Because I said to him, you know, would you be cool about, well, you'll hear it all. I said, would you be cool if, if Michael Anthony went back to Van Halen without you? 
And you know, Sammy being Sammy said, of course he would be. And then he just basically said, but look, until since they reached out to him a few months ago about possibly doing it, I haven't heard anything since and neither has he. And then he just moved on like that wasn't a big thing. And I and if you hear, I'm like, whoa, 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 that's news. <laughs> because what Sammy Hagar did, whether it was intentional or not, was confirm as you're about to hear, that there was contact from the Van Halen camp with Michael Anthony about the potential, potential to reunite with the band. So uh, that is major news. And needless to say, it made major news. Speaking of YouTube and all the people taking my stuff and posting it minutes after it hit all over the world, because this was an affirmation that there could be something cooking with Michael Anthony and Van Halen. And I believe Sammy completely when he says there's been nothing since, because what we know about Van Halen is anything is possible and anything can change on the drop of a dime. So it's highly possible that uh, these guys could have changed their mind. They still don't know what they're doing. We have no idea still of any real confirmed info. But the only thing that we got out of this, Van Halen-wise, was that there was at least a consideration and there was discussion and there was an outreach to Michael Anthony by Van Halen, according to Sammy Hagar, a few months ago. It's been sitting dormant ever since, but it was there. And that is significant. What it all means, where it all goes, what it amounts to, we don't know, but we'll find out, I guess, if and when they decide to do something. In the meantime, Sammy and Michael continue on. They continue. They get this record coming out with The Circle. We talk about all of that with Sammy Hagar, as well as the first single from the record, Trust Fund Baby, which is interesting because Sammy tells the backstory of that. If you are a big Montrose fan, the riff in that song is very, very identifiable, and Sammy tells that story in the interview. So like a lot of the interviews I do, there's a lot of great stuff in here, but there's always one thing that jumps out and becomes the news headline, and without question... This time around, that headline was Sammy mentioning that Michael had been contacted by Van Halen. You'll hear all of that in the interview coming up right now. Once again, I remind you, follow me on Twitter, where I am most active, at Eddie Trunk, Instagram, at Eddie Trunk, fan page that I post on. I do not interact on Facebook, but I do post occasionally on a fan page, which is also at Eddie Trunk. And my official online home is eddytrunk.com. By the way, speaking of radio, I also have a syndicated FM radio show on in about 30, 35 cities across the country. And if you uh, are in an area that broadcasts it, like New York City or Milwaukee or Kansas City or Boston, be sure to listen. And if you are not, you can uh, hear it online or you can become an all-access member of eddytrunk.com and listen to it on demand Anytime you'd like. EddieTrunk.com is the official online home. All my appearances on the homepage. There's a merch store as well. Signed copies of either of my books. Volume 2, I take that back, of Volume 2 of my book. Volume 1 is temporarily out of print. Volume 2 is available. Hit the books tab on my site if you're interested in ordering. All right, so let's get to it. Coming up after the break, the Red Rocker Sammy Hagar, as great as ever, on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Every car comes with its uh, share of stories. You know that, right? That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date. The luxury package you got after that big promotion. Or the mileage you save by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof. Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage. You already knew it was going to cost you, right? But now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. 
Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Car cash offer not available in all areas. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, if you like my show, you're going to love Rob has a podcast on Podcast One. Join the biggest reality TV podcast around as Survivor's Rob Sister Nino covers the current season of Celebrity Big Brother and more. Download Rob has a podcast every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Eddie Trunk back with you, and uh, I set it all up earlier, so let's get right to it. My interview, making news once again with Sammy Hagar in this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Sammy, how are you, brother? Well, Eddie, I'm the same as I always am. You know what I mean? Some things never change, and I think you and I are just two of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like every time I hear you, you're still so enthusiastic about you know the your your job and your and the music industry and who's doing what and you know your enthusiasm is contagious and i think we're kind of cut from the same mold you know what i mean uh, yeah no i don't i don't you know it's funny man because i'm i'm 54 i know you got a few years on me but i don't <laughs> hey sonny boy no, <laughs> trying to be nice sam um uh, but you, you know you got a few years on me and i don't ever like i got friends that i grew up with and they are so disconnected from you know, this world of rock and all that. And they, they used to be so passionate about it. And now they're like indifferent and whatever. I don't, I, even now at 54, I don't see anything changing. Like I've never, I feel the same about this stuff as like when I was 17, 18 years old. Do you feel that way still? Do you still get the same juice absolutely. when you make a record or get on stage? I'm telling you, absolutely. It's like when I was making this last record, I'm not just trying to jump right into hype my new record, but yeah, yes, I am in a way. But the, <laughs> of the matter is, is I, I made this record. It was purely out of emotion and passion, and and I was so excited every day. I couldn't wait to get in into the studio and work on it. I would lay. I'd get home. I'd eat dinner and you know maybe have sex, take a shower, or what, buy first, take a shower, then have sex, and then I would be rolling over instead of smoking a cigarette like you used to do when you had sex. You know, or and, you know people nowadays get on their cell phone after sex. Well, I picked up <laughs> my pad and pencil and I was cr- changing lyrics and and just dotting the eyes and crossing the T's. I would just I was in, just engulfed in it, like like as if it was my first record. And and I don't know, I'm. I'm I think that's really cool. <laughs> I know you well, do too. It's like it's, yeah. it's man, passion is is everything if you otherwise it's a job. Right? Well, listen, man, and I'm not just saying this to blow smoke up your ass, but long before I knew you and long before we were friends, I used to being a guy and we've talked about this before. I li- have lived and still live my whole life in New Jersey, and I know that the East Coast for you uh, has notoriously been a difficult thing, right? I mean, in terms yeah. of draw. To this day, to some degree, the East Coast is kind of rough for you, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so funny because I ask my friends that live there, you know, I have plenty of friends, and then they always say, Sammy, you're just too, you know, you're just too West Coast, man, and now you've now you got this Cabo thing going. It's like, you know, they don't get it back here, man. We live in cold weather, too. <laughs> they don't get my, my bathing suit and no shoes, no shirt, no problem thing. What? You know, come on. But my point about that, my point about that is when I long, long, long before I ever knew you as a fan, as a kid growing up in New Jersey and and listening to your early records, the Capitol records, and then, of course, the Geffen records and then the Montrose stuff and all that. The one thing, whether I saw videos, I remember the old MTV concert where you had a car on stage, you were playing a big place in St. Louis or something. I had that on VHS. I watched it a million times. That's the one thing that I always that above and beyond the music and the quality of it and your voice, the thing. Thing that I always took from Sammy Hagar and the reason why I connected so much and I almost felt like you know I knew you then is because what came through in all of it was a sincerity and a passion and a love for what you were doing I mean I remember seeing you on that stage you I don't remember what year that was yet that you're jumping off the car and people are throwing banners and you're draping them right you're just having the, the a blast and I'm like this isn't <laughs> contrived this is What's really coming from this guy doing that come on right exactly 
No, well, thank you, Eddie. I, I definitely have passion, and I'll never lose it. It's, it's just one of them things that I I still really want it bad. I want to get on that stage and make people happy and take them someplace they've never been if I can, you know. And it's like that's all I I strive for. And and, and when I even do a good job of trying to do it, it makes me so damn happy that, I, that I'm going. This is great. This is great. You know, I don't know what a way to make a living, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, let me ask you this. Now, you got a new record coming out. We'll talk about that here in a sec. I want to ask you the, the idea of even making a new record, because I know a few years ago, you and I talked about Chickenfoot, who's, who've done a couple studio records. And at that point, the whole idea that you had told me about forming the circle, which is, of course, the great band you have with Jason and Vic and Michael, was to, you said, you know, I'm going to just play my catalog and have fun, uh, trying to get new music and create new music and sell it. It's such a bitch trying to line everything up so the the simple idea that you have now decided to make and go out and try to sell and get played new original music with this band is interesting how did you reach that decision it 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 just came to me like i said i i just all of a sudden i started writing these songs you know i pick up i wake up in the morning i pick up a guitar have some coffee i'm sitting there strumming the guitar you know i just noodle around and all of a sudden all these songs started coming to me and and i'm going damn this is cool I, the next thing i know i'm going over get my little tape recorder you know the old school style you know turn on turn it on recording a little riff a little idea vocal idea or something and and it just god it just it just came and it kept coming it was like holy shit you know i got to stop this man i got other things to do you know <clears throat> so I, I just got so excited about it all of a sudden i cut a couple tracks with Jason and Vic and, and Mike, and it came out honestly so good. I mean, Trust Fund Baby is one of them, and it's like I just went, "Damn, I got I got to make a whole record." And the, the easiest part of it was as soon as I came up with the concept. It's like this world is we all know is going crazy. I, I'm I'm just shocked about what happens in life every day. Things I see on the news, things people are talking about, what kind of music is going on. So I decided to write a concept record about the way I see the world how things are this this record is about money it's about greed it's about enlightenment and it's a the truth comes out of the whole thing so when i came up with the feeling of what i really was trying to say about how money everyone thinks money's the root of all evil but you can change the world but you can feed the poor with money you can you can take sick people and get them you know get get them to the hospital and take care of their medical expenses you can do so many great things with money it has nothing to do with money it's got to do with greed and greed is what's killing you know this whole world and everything else without it there wouldn't be wars there wouldn't be as many hungry people there wouldn't be as it'd just be a much better place to live so when i figured out what i wanted to talk about this was the easiest record I ever made in my life it was just like oh man every day i'd wake up with a new idea i'd all i have to do if i got in a stunt in a slump is i'd turn on the friggin news and you'd go okay i got a new topic here you know so it, it was just so much fun making this record that i could care less about like saying oh maybe maybe i'll have a gold record or, or you know this or that i want it to be successful in this day and age but the sex success in this day and age would be probably hundred thousand records you know everybody goes, well success oh. i'll tell you I'll, sam sam i'll tell you one better success in what i'm seeing is success in this day and age for new music especially for you know established rock artists is just having people hear it yeah, you know, well, getting true. them to hear it. I mean, you, I see more and more guys just like, hey, I'll tell them, hey, man, your whole record just went up on YouTube. So what, man, as long as people are hearing it. I mean, it's almost like, you know, just trying to get people's ears on it is it can become the biggest challenge. But, but you know, you said, yeah, like you said, you're not. Statement. I, I like that statement. It's true. I want people to hear this because it's important. I'm saying something that I think is important for people to hear. Uh, it's got enlightenment involved, like I said, and it's got it's the truth. The truth is in there, and anytime someone speaks the truth or can enlighten you with anything, then that's that's what we're all looking for. That's what I'm looking for every day. You know, I wake up, I'm going. Somebody tell me some truth, and somebody enlighten me. You know, like bring me up, show me something I don't know. And uh, so anyway, I'm. Uh, have I'm, you ever have you ever done in all your career in all your bands? I'm trying to think, running through my my rolodex in my mind. Have you ever done a concept record before? No. I've wanted to do one my whole damn life. When I left, when I got, when I left, when I got thrown out of Montrose in 73 <laughs> or 75, I wanted to make a concept record about outer space, about science fiction, about, you know, uh, Christ being from, 
from the you know UFOs and stuff and having this whole big religious overtone, and it was just too big of a thing to bite off. And my record company always was telling me, "Well, if you're gonna make a record like that, we're gonna drop you." So, so I, I never, I never did it. And uh, every song, if you remember, my early records always had a song: "Space Age Sacrifice," "Space Station Number Five, you know, uh, "Silver Lights." It always had a space song on them, a science fiction song. But I never put them all together and made a record. So I've always wanted to do it. But uh, it's the easiest way to write. I'm telling all these artists out there, all you guys that write lyrics, when you sit there and try to write 12 or 15 new songs with ideas that you have to make up lyrics, you have to write about something, you have to come up with a story, it's so much easier if you have a big picture story and you just write chapters. So that's what I call my, my each song in this album. There are chapter, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. It's a story. And it's so much easier, I'm telling you, when you have a concept, then you can just say, okay, this, now the guy's going to walk down the street in Las Vegas, and here's what's going to happen. And you, and you write about it. It's it's the easiest way to do it. It's it's I, I learned, I'll probably, if I ever make any more records, they'll all be concept records. I'll tell you that much. Really? Is it, what, yeah, what was the... Anything. You know, it can what, be about anything if you have a, if you can see enough of it. I'm old, you know. What I mean, you know, I'm like been on this planet 71 years, and I've seen and experienced a lot. And so, when you find out what you really want to talk about, and what you want to um, show, what you've seen and what you've learned, it's uh, getting old can be great for for a writer. I really think that's it usually most people can't sing as they get older. Well, I'm knock on wood i'm okay with that you know and i can still jump all over i can still play guitar i can still I'm, i've still got physical strength and energy and and you know most things that's what happens you know maybe you have a lot of ideas but you can't physically go out and do it well i can so i'm excited <laughs> no, i mean well you, well you should be and i mean I, I've, I've talked about this a million times with my audience you're in that rarefied air of guys in their 70s who are still still so good, whether it be vocally, on stage, everything. I mean, uh, whether it be Jagger, whether it be yourself, whether it be Steven Tyler, whether it be, well, Glenn Hughes isn't quite 70 yet, but vocally, he's, you know, he's late 60s. He's ridiculous still. I mean, there's there's just a handful of guys. It's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 a miracle, whatever it is. But but I'm just happy to be able to do all this and and have made a record that I'm this proud of. I I just keep telling everybody I think it's the best, most important record ever made. And I only thing I can say is to add to that is I hope it's as good as I think it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> How do you know? You know, it's like how's the public going to respond? But yeah. How, you know, what was the vibe like when you you? Um... Because the circle was originally put together to play your catalog and play right. some Zeppelin, play some Montrose with with Jason, with Vic, with Michael, play some Van Halen, of course. So what was the what was the reaction like when you went to to your bandmates in the circle and said, "Hey, you know what, guys? Let's you know let let's create something new." I'm assuming they were all on board. Was everybody up for it? Well, everybody's been wanting to do it for a long time, but they had the same feelings I did, and that was, "How are you going to write a song that's good enough to go between?" right now whole lot of love into i can't drive 55 into and another new candy, song right. you know it's like are you gonna <laughs> what go are you dropping song everybody's gonna sit down you know yeah. and i'm going no nah, no nah, we'll do it we can do it uh jason was the one who who honestly who was really pushing he's going you know you know fuck mate you know i'm i'm playing you know everybody else's songs. I ain't even play. You know I didn't even write the Led Zeppelin songs we're fucking playing. You know I'm playing me pops parts. You know, so he was the guy that was really crying the blues all the time. Let's make a record. Let's make a record. And and then when I told him what I wanted to do, when I had the concept down, and I had a few little riffs. He said, "Oh man, I don't know." He was he was really nervous to make the statement of no, this is a concept record. This is to be listened to in its entirety from beginning to end, at least once or twice. And then once you get it and you understand what is being said here, then you can go back and play your favorite chapters, you know, and say, oh, I like three, you know, oh, I like seven, you know. That's all fine with me, but the concept is please listen to it twice, you know, all in its entirety. <clears throat> and when I finished with it, he just, he just kept sending me these emails and calling me and saying, dude, you know, you fucking blow my mind, mate, you know, you fucking did it, you fucking did it. You know, Jason, I, I know you've talked to him before. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> He, uh, he he's just awesome. I love yeah. playing with these guys. I think we made a great record, and I think we outdid what we even thought we were going to do. And uh, man, I'm I'm proud. I'm excited about going out and playing it. 
and you know everybody in your everybody knows in the circle everybody knows Jason from all the things he's done and of course the the Zeppelin pedigree and of course everybody knows and loves Michael Anthony and yourself but I think the real sort of unsung hero is is Vic who has been your guy as a lead guitar player now for for a really long time and I've never asked you this where did you find him what's your history with Vic how, what year did you start playing with him and how did you discover him Oh Eddie I'm so glad you brought that up you know I just I I take Vic so for granted because in '95, when I was when I got, got thrown out of that, <laughs> I I was looking for a guitar player, and I said, you know, I don't. The first guy that walks in my studio and starts doing the, the hammers like Eddie is going to get about three notes in. I'm going to say, see you, dude. You just failed the, the audition because I did not want anyone to be like a copycat of, of Eddie. And I was really trying to move away from Van Halen, not because I didn't like what we did, but, you know, it's just it's too obvious to go out and try to do the same thing. Nobody's going to do Eddie better than Eddie, so just stop doing it. You know what I mean? So I I kept auditioning people, and, and some guy said, man, you ever hear that guy named Vic Johnson? He used to be in the Bus Boys. I said, the Bus Boys? I remember that band. <clears throat> so he goes, he's a, a Montrose freak. He plays, you know, he plays more like Ronnie. I, uh, I, I got him up here. And I said, what do you want to play? He said, how about Bad Motor Scooter? And we played Bad Motor Scooter, and he killed it. And he said, I said, what else do you want to play? He said, well, how about Three Lock Box? And he kicked that thing off. And I played guitar on that on the record, you know, bum, 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 da da And he kicked it off so funky that I didn't even know. I'm like, holy shit, he just played it exact same notes, but he played it with a feel that I just really had never felt before. It was like you didn't even need a drummer. It's just like he just went, it had this rhythm to it. I said, man, I love this guy. And he's been my guy ever since. And, he, and it's been since 95 that Vic Johnson, when you find a guy that can play like he does, he can play everybody's style. I was going to say, he covers a lot of ground, man, whether it be like Monsos, whether it be he Van Halen. Right, the, right. The, the guitar version of Miles Kennedy, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's got to sing all them songs, but he does a good job. You know what I mean? And that's that's Vic. So you find a guy like that, you keep him forever. Vic, Vic, right hand Johnson. <clears throat> I had I had no idea he was in the Bus Boys until you just said that. I yeah. remember that band. Boy, no I come back in town. <laughs> <laughs> No idea that he was in that band. Yeah, he had a fro then. He's got now. He's got a bald head. But he's a bad mother. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> hey, did uh, did Satriani or, or Chad call you and say, "Hey, what the hell are you making a new a record with these guys for?" And you're not doing no more Chicken Foot records? Oh yeah, Joe. Him and I. We I, Joe. He he lives at my studio practically. He, I let him. He's the only person I let record and rehearse there and do interviews there. And he keeps his gear at my studio. So so I see him all the time. And he just gives you that smile, shaking his head, you know, like, man, why? And I'm going, because, you know, Chicken Foot, we only play Chicken Foot. And when we go out and do a concert, it's like, you know, the fans get kind of pissy. They like Chicken Foot, don't get me wrong, but they're going, hey, man, why don't you play, you know, Red or play <clears throat> One Way to Rock or something, you know. But Joe, you know, he's, he's, uh, he, he wants to play Chicken Foot. And so I'm going, I, I like playing my old songs, you know. I, th- when you have a catalog like I've got, with this band, I mean, like, you know, Mikey and I and, and Jason and Vic have, you might say, uh, man, dude, every time I, we go to play a show, I'm the most confident guy in the world. I just I just walk out there like, well, if they don't like this song, they're going to like the next one, <laughs> you know what I mean? And if, it's like you, there's it's so deep and so many great, great hits that it's pretty, you know, you don't feel like uh, you're going out there trying to, you know, convince somebody that you're good. You know, it's like you go, no, we're great. <laughs> We've got these songs, and we can perform them. And you know, it's our legacy, and it's it. it I don't know. It, it really feels uh, great. Feels special. Uh, I've never had a band like that. Even though with the Wobbles, we played all the catalog, but the musicianship wasn't like the circle. I mean, this band is the t- top top of the top of the line. You know what I mean? It's like, whew, I don't know. I love this band. And obviously, obviously, you're still on great terms with Satch and, and Chad. I mean, oh, is there I love any? Those guys. Is there? Any, I mean, yeah. is there any side of you that would like to do anything with Chickenfoot again, or do you think that's pretty much done at this? Oh, point? Oh no, I would love to. I think Chickenfoot was also, you know, the the level of musicianship in that band is phenomenal. I just don't have the time. It's like if, if I've got a hundred concerts left in my body and in my voice, or I don't know what how many I have. I don't know how many years I have left. I can do this. I really don't. 
I, you know, I feel great, everything's good, but you never know. You wake up one morning and say, fuck, I can't do this no more. And I just, chicken foot is not the top of my list right now. I want to go out and do this whole circle thing. I haven't done a tour since chicken foot, a real tour. I go out and play weekends. You know, we go out and play two shows a month probably with the circle. We just go out and play a couple shows, come back home. I give the band the money. They make a living. They're all happy, so I don't lose my band. <laughs> and and it's it's been easy, but to <clears throat> something like Chicken Foot, where we'd have to go out for four or five months and tour, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'd rather do that right now with the circle and see how long I can just keep doing this. And So you're going to go out and you're going to go out and do like a, a proper tour? You're going to go out with this and do like uh, four or five nights a week sort of deal? Yeah, about four nights a week. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to go out from uh, April, I think, 17th or something like that through uh, June 8th is our last show. And then going to take a break through the summer. And then uh, in the fall when I have to kick back up for um, for the uh, beach party, you know, for the high-tide beach party that you and I did last year. Uh, we what got a blast. This year, so we'll, we'll kind of gear up for that a little bit, go do the birthday bash, and then maybe go out and try uh, some shows in the late fall if this record is still if people are still wanting to, you know, see it and hear it, you know, I'll, I'll, I want to promote it as much as I can. So that's when's it coming out, Sammy? What's the actual release date? Uh, May tenth. May tenth. So still got a little ways to go, but it's coming soon. A couple other things I want to ask you. You mentioned High Tide Beach Party. You kicked off your own festival last year. I was there. It was a blast. I shot. That was when the the Access TV worlds collided because Sammy shot an episode of Rock and Roll Road Trip there. I shot an episode of my show covering sammy's festival there and we had a great time and i guess that's going to probably roll out on tv in the summer but you uh you had a tremendous for a first time festival like that yourself reo eddie money was there i'm, I, I'm trying to remember everybody who vince played neil, vince uh, neil big fish some uh yeah yeah Sold out. But sold out. So but sold out, packed the beach. An I amazing know. setting. I mean, I'm at festivals all the time. For that to have been your first one and it had for it to have gone that well and be totally sold out in that setting, it was amazing, man. It was it was really, really cool. And I know you just said you're doing it again, you're going to two nights, right? Yeah, you know the, the the city didn't want to give us too big of a permit. I thought we could do, we could have done twenty thousand, and obviously we could have did thirty thousand. So we did about seventeen, sixteen, seventeen thousand was all in there. And then the city said, "Okay, you, uh, we'll let you get bigger next year." And I said, "No, I don't want to get bigger. That was a really cool amount of people. You know, I don't want to do forty thousand. Now, now all of a sudden, got people way on the other side of the beach. So I I, I said, "Can we do two nights?" And then we're going to keep it at fifteen. For two nights now, and uh, you know, if we if that sells out fast again, then we'll do three nights. You know, I don't want to expand it, make it too big. I'm so excited about that. You know, I've been throwing parties my whole life in Cabo since I've been you know 27, 28 years. How long the Cabo Wall has been there? So I really do know how to throw a party, and I think that was part of the success. It wasn't about who's you know getting the biggest names in rock. We had some great names, you know, and we'll continue to have some great music, but. The, it was the fillers, the, the opening acts, and the people in between where we had, you know, real big fish and the dead mermaids. These are beach bands, man. These are people that live in Orange County. And Trey Cool from Green Day, you know, he's got that beach, that band, you know, the dead mermaids, and they're like an Icelandic metal band. It's like, it's fun. You're coming to have a, bo- you're coming to have a party all day on the beach, eating tacos, drinking margaritas, rum, margar- you know, freaking mojitos, and, and, you know, we made a lot of mistakes. You know, we ran out of food, we ran out of booze, ran out of beer. I'm going, I told these people, these, you know. But, um, you know, we're, we're learning how to do a better job next year. But anyway, what's better to do than that? A lot of people paid 30 40 bucks, whatever it was, to to just go be, go there and hang out like that all day on the beach, you know. It's the greatest thing you can do. So, yeah. It, it was an... It was an amazing setting, and I'll never forget because I had a lot of travel drama getting there that day. I had a flight canceled and all this craziness, so I was real frazzled when I got there because I had a deadline of things I had to do. And I'll never forget uh, pulling in backstage, and as soon as I got out of the car, the first thing I saw was a a mariachi band and somebody (laughs) mixing up margaritas. I'm like, yep, we're at Sammy's event. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is the Sammy Hagar event. We're going to see it, man. You you filmed it, right? I mean, your show. We filmed your, your it. Your show is about the festival itself. Right. You got around better than I did around there that day. So. Right. I got out there on the beach. People were stopping, taking pictures, having a great time. We were. I was talking to everybody. I was like the the mayor. I was like the Pied Piper. They were following me around. I was like, okay. You had an outback steakhouse out outpost out there. Uh, yeah, people with yeah. their fe- feet in the water and, and, and enjoying drinks. It was a it was a vibe. You you really captured above and beyond the music. You really captured a vibe and a spirit that's very different than the many many rock festivals that I go to because it really was uh, an extension of your personality and yeah. the entire the sort party. of spirit it was, of the it beach was, life. It was, it was, yeah, well, that was a high time yeah. beach party, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was okay, a great time. So me, Chief, now, what what can I tell you? What what do you need to know besides me just rambling on at you? Uh, and All right. What can you enlighten this audience with? Here's what I need to know. I you ready? Come see. I set you up. See, see you how, ready? What, what a great team we are. Well, we are because I let you take yeah. care of all the heavy lifting and get all the promotion and get everything out. <laughs> you you hear in all these rumors about Michael going back to Van Halen? Yes, I am. And you know, I just I, the main thing I just want to say is Michael Anthony is my one of my dearest friends in the world. He's my bandmate. Him and I are soul brothers. We are talk about cut from the same mold. You know, him and I, the whole high tide beach thing, that's the way we live. You know, we live the same lifestyle. And I told Mike, you know, these are all just rumors because, as usual, Mike's hearing about it through the news, just like the way he heard about when we replaced him. You know, I was like, oh, right. I guess I'm not in Van Halen anymore. He read about it, right? Instead of these knuckleheads giving him a call and, and just being straight up front with them. So M- Mikey's still sitting in that same position again to where all these rumors are going around and i'm sure they're trying to put something together whether or not it's going to materialize and i wouldn't have a clue it's nothing to do with me but mike i told him mike if this happens you friggin have my blessings you go do this you're a founding member in that band and the for the fans you know he needs to do it and he he is the missing element right now if you want you know be if you want my opinion i mean without mike it just doesn't seem quite the same. Mikey, he's a flag bearer. He walks out there with the flag, the VH flag. He holds it high like the guy in the Calvary, you know what I mean? And um, he's a special guy, and he has my blessings. And when they're done, we'll we'll go back out if they do it, if, if it happens. But the things I've been reading, it ain't going to happen. I think Mikey's going to come out and do his bass solo with his Jack Daniels bass and say goodbye and stand on the side stage and watch Wolfie play his songs all night. I mean, I don't think the fans are going to go for that either. They're going to be freaking, that'd be real hard on Little Wolf. You know, he don't deserve that. So I don't know what they're thinking. Maybe it's just a rumor. Who knows? But, you know, those guys, they don't tell me nothing because I don't want to know. But you'd think they'd at least tell Mike. <laughs> yeah, well, I know I know Michael was just out at Nam because we, we talked. He and I texted each other. We didn't get to see each other, unfortunately. But I was at Nam. He was there, and I know that that was a hot thing making the rounds, and a lot of people were asking him about it. It's got to put him in a weird position now. Now, the other thing I've said too, Sammy, is this: Look, if he does know something, and and I know I love Michael. Like like I love you. It means the best. But but he also would have to be in a position of deny 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 until they were ready to say something. You know. So he. I don't think even if he does know a little something, he's probably not in a spot where he can say it right now. But I think the big question would be, you know, does this even come off? Because everybody knows they could wake up on once on a different side of the bed one day and still kind of stay underground. So nobody even knows if this is real and if they are actually going to do something. But. If they did, the common thought is, you know, Wolfie's got some record done that he wants to promote. Maybe he opens the shows. Michael takes the takes his spot back. Original lineup goes out, and and they do it one last time. But a lot of people have said to me, uh, what would what would happen with Sammy though? You know, Michael and Sammy are like a unit. Would Sammy be cool with that? And you're saying totally cool with it. you're saying you're, you're totally uh, fine and, with that. And I'm not trying to hide anything. Like I know something, but don't know something. Mike and I have had a conversation. I'm telling you, Mike don't know shit. You know, <laughs> he's he's uh, you know they're they're going to have to eventually, you know, give the somebody's going to have to give the guy a call. I mean, he got a call six months ago from you know management saying, "Are you interested?" And he said, "Yeah, you know, I'm doing a record with Sammy right now. It depends. Uh, we're booking shows, so you know you'd have to work around it." And uh, they said, "Okay, we'll get back to you." And that was it. So I mean, I can tell you that much. But that was a long. Well, that's time news right there, though. I didn't know that. That's that's big well, right there. Yep. And uh, so, you know, it just Mike totally has my blessings. 
it's it's I'm I'm an easygoing guy. First of all, you know me, I don't want to go out and play six months. So we're going to go out and play a couple months. And if Mikey, if this happens, he can go play with them for a couple months. And then I'll go out in the fall again for a couple months. I just know that Mike's committed to the uh, beach party, and he's committed to these shows we got going on right here. And if those guys get it together, 100% has my blessings. I love the guy, and I think he knows that the circle is really important for his long-term thing because Van Halen is so sporadic. You know, they <laughs> his long-term uh, mental health. Those guys, <laughs> I can't even. That's me saying that, Sammy. <laughs> I just, I just think you know this. I ain't part of that, and I'm not looking to be part of that. The only way I'm, I'll say it. I've said it a million times. I'll say it the same time, same way every time. The only way I would show any interest would be for Sam and Dave. The whole with Mike, Alan, Ed, get together, go do it. What right? You know, do it ten times for the big time. I don't care how. I, don't, I, I wouldn't say, oh, we can only do this, we can only do that. No, we can do any freaking thing we wanted if we all got along, went out there, and two songs from Dave, two songs from me, two songs to Dave, two them back and forth, back and forth. Back. If we never got together on stage at the same time, I could care less about that because you know I don't see any reason to jump up there and sing with the Dave unless he was wanted to do that. So. That would be for the fans only, and even if I needed money, I wouldn't do it If for, for money. It would be for the goodness of the legacy of the band and just do the right thing for, for once. But other than that, you know, it's cool. I'm, I'm what's your, very happy what's your with the Circle record. I'm happy with the Circle. That's my band right now, and I can't wait to go out and play these shows and get this record out here and let the people hear what, what we did. We fucking killed it. <laughs> Last thing before I let you go. What I never asked you this before. What's your favorite record you made with Van Halen? You know, I think Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge. You know, it, it, it wasn't the biggest one. You know, 5150 was the biggest one. But, uh, you know, that that was a deep record. I think the songwriting and the, everyone's performance and everything was really good on that. Production. Production's killer on that record. Yeah. Production on Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge is killer. Yeah. It, it, it's you know you got it right now on there you got you know big fat money you got some really got pound, pound cake. cake you got some uh, yeah. no uh, uh, was big fat money on there wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know. but anyway you got some good songs in there pound cake and right now that's enough that's all you need right yeah so, and you know I think and and tell me if I'm wrong but I always thought that um, one of the more underrated ones that you did was the balance record the last one I always thought that there was some real good stuff on there including was, big fat money so which is on balance. Every picture you see of us, we got frowns on our face, and we're all four wearing sunglasses. It's like you know, it's like it was a painful record to make. It was like pulling teeth, and so for me, when I hear it, I, it's all I can think of is well, that was the beginning of the end of the band. So it doesn't have any. It's it, 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 it this luster, you know, the shine is off of it for me. But musically and lyrically and performance-wise, you know, like we were all playing really good. It's just that we weren't playing with the love. And it wasn't the camaraderie that, that make the great songs. You know, the songs were kind of torturous songs. You know, Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do, Can't Stop Loving You. You know, those are cool songs, but they're dark. You know, Seventh Seal even, you know, it's dark. Was it on that record or was that for him? Yeah, on hey, Seventh you, Seal's the first now, track. Now you're messing with my brain, uh, Mr. Trunk. You're, wait a minute, you're the, the, the <laughs> what are you, the, the rain man of, of, of rock. <laughs> you call me that, yeah. <laughs> I think you for, made a shirt that said that. Carnal, I mean, uh, yeah, for unlawful carnal knowledge was was uh, Seventh Steel, which is a badass song. I love that song. I think, as a matter of fact, the circle. I think no, no, Seventh Seal, cool. Sammy, Seventh Seal, and Big Fat Money are on balance. Seventh Seal is the opening track on balance. It was okay. Well, that's a badass tune. But see, here you go again. Dark, dark, right? Right, right. Yeah, but I love that song. We're gonna—I think we're gonna put that in this in the set with the circle. Now, let me tell you two stories real quick because I know you got to go. And, well, and I got to go. Everybody's got to go someday. So, uh, the track—I uh, mean, this—I got to tell you how I wrote this song, number three on the album. Chapter three is a song called "Can't Hang," and uh, you know, in in the circle, we play. Uh, the Led Zeppelin tune when the levee breaks, right? Mm -hmm. And Jason has his dad's drum track, and he plays to it live. So that's the way we've done it for years. So I asked Jason for that track, his dad's drum track, and I went in my studio all by myself with a big, loud amp 
cranked up like a mother through the stack of marshals, and I jammed to his dad playing when the levee breaks. And I wrote a song wow. called Can't Hang. When you hear this, I'm telling you, Ed, it's going to put you in the hospital. It's, it's so <laughs> badass. And then Jason, I said, Jason, I want to co-write this song with your dad. I want to say it was co-written with you know your dad, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, no, mate, no, man, i got to play it. No, dude, you've got to give me a shot. You've got to give me a shot. I'm going, I, I really do have to do that. So Jason went in, replayed it, and then we recut it because we, the arrangement started changing, you know, because he started playing different things. And it is the coolest damn song. But to write a song with John Bonham, come on now, right? Mm. I sat, you wait to hear this thing. It's chapter three. But the next thing is, this song, the song you're going to play, Trust Fun Baby, I took from the Montrose song off Paper Money, which broke the band up. It's a song that broke the band up. It, uh, I got the fire. Ronnie had that rip. Which Iron Maiden covered, by the way. Iron Maiden covered. That was a huge song for, for metal yeah. fans. Well, that was a co-written song with me. I wrote the lyrics and, and the melody on that song, but Ronnie didn't give me credit on the album. And when I bitched about it, when the royalties started coming in, he's going, yeah, that's all you care about some money. I said, no, no, no. I, I wrote the lyrics. Come on, I wrote half that song. Like like when, when I wrote Make It Last, I'm, you know, I wrote the music and the lyrics, but... But when we did some of the other songs, like Space Station Number 5, he wrote the riff, I wrote the lyrics, that's the way we did it, you know? And so he didn't do it on that song. So when I, I, I decided I was I, out of angst in the studio with Jason, we were playing I Got the Fire. I said, I'm going to rip this off from Ronnie, and I'm going to fucking put it on the album, right? And then I cha- at the last minute, I thought, no, I'm going to do the right thing. And I, and I put that it was co-written with Ronnie. I gave him oh. co-writer on it, and his his family estate will make the money off of it. And uh, it's very special. It's a lot a lot of the reason why it's the first uh, track on the album. His his wife, his widow, sold me one of his guitars, and I used it on this track. That's why we were playing I Got to Fire. <clears throat> and so, anyway, so Trust Fun Baby has a, a little depth in it as well. And that's what the circle is. The circle is about all that, my whole, you know, music uh, career all coming together with these people, and we play it and we serve it, and we wrote a new record around it, and I'm just really proud of it. So we'll be talking again soon, man. Anytime you know, you guys know you got the new season of the TV show, great stuff. F- season four, Rock and Roll Road Trip coming up, and of course the tour dates getting you know when you're ready to roll out that, and the record that we're talking about isn't coming till May, so we got a couple more months. So when the record's actually out and everybody has a chance to hear it, maybe we'll do a whole another round where I can actually dig more into the songs on it, having spent some time with it and, and hearing it. So we'll we'll do another we'll do another run soon. I'm sure. And then you're probably going to be announcing the the High Tide lineup soon, right? Yep, absolutely. A whole bunch of stuff. So, uh, hey, Eddie, thanks for your time. I want to see you at some of these shows on the East Coast. I think we're playing in Philadelphia or Jersey or New York. I'm sure we're playing oh, yeah. there, and hopefully you're around and, and uh, come and hang. Yeah, it's always fun, man. I look forward to that. I hope we can do that. Send my best to your family, Sammy. Thank you for the time, as always. And uh, you need anything, you know where I'm at. <laughs> thanks, Eddie. Bye, brother. See you, man. Huge thanks to the Red Rocker, Sammy Hagar. Great stuff, as always. Thanks to the Hard Rock in Tulsa for hosting my show. I'll be back in Tulsa once again to host Rocklahoma Memorial Weekend. I'll see you guys next week on board the Monsters of Rock Cruise. If you're attending, be sure to find me. We will hang. It'll be a great time. I'll be doing TV, radio, all sorts of stuff. Everybody follow on Twitter. If you have SiriusXM, be sure to listen to me each and every day, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Channel 106, Volume, Talking Rock with you and bringing you all all of these great interviews, some of which you hear right here on this podcast, like the one with Sammy Hagar a few minutes ago. The volume show replays every night as well, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and you can also listen to entire shows or interviews in their entirety on demand on the Sirius XM app. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She's the producer of the Eddie Trunk podcast. At Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page, Facebook, eddietrunk.com is the website. You guys have yourselves a great week and i will catch you next thursday for a new episode of the eddie trunk podcast always free podcast one.com and itunes
Celebrity Big Brother is back, and we've got recaps of every single episode here on Rob as a Podcast. So whether you watch for the epic blindsides or for the insanity, like Ricky Williams giving a colon massage to a constipated Cato Kalin, yes, that happened. Check out our Celebrity Big Brother coverage on Rob as a Podcast on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, or the Podcast One app. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.